the Lord here this evening. Tonight we're going to continue in our Book of Acts Bible study. Tonight, tonight we're going to be going over Acts chapters 13 and 14, and I've subtitled tonight's Bible teaching, The Mission Often Comes Through the Trial. Acts chapters 13 and 14, the mission often comes through not around, not over, not under, but the mission often comes through the trial. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, and we'll start there, verse 14, amen. I want to give a brief introduction, the same introduction that I've been giving for weeks as we've been going through this, and as I've explained before, and I pretty much for the sake of those that would be watching uh, on our YouTube channel or those that will be listening on the podcast, um, this introduction to the book of Acts, this short introduction I give every week because this is the foundational understanding of the book of Acts that we must have as the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to understand some things about the book of Acts, and, and this is the foundational principle about the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts, as I have mentioned before, is, is one that it just blows my mind that that there are, are so many Christians, so many churchgoers, so many people even uh, that I know that have spent decades in church that know very, very little about the book of Acts because it's probably been preached or taught very, very little in their church. Amen. But what we have to understand about the book of Acts is that the book of Acts is the centerpiece of your Bible. It is the centerpiece. And the reason that we can say that, and, and I know you, you almost could probably say this with me word for word, and that's good, because when you teach people about the book of Acts, then you'll have all, all of the, uh, you'll have everything in your arsenal that you need to teach uh, about the book of Acts. But the book of Acts is the centerpiece of your Bible, because every book prior to the book of Acts points to the coming events in the book of Acts. Um, I, I really, honestly, I could probably go all the way back into the Old Testament, and I can say that not only did everything in the Old Testament point to Jesus, everything in the Bible points to Jesus, but many, many, many things in the Old Testament, pointed to what was coming and what plan God had for the world in the book of Acts. But we can, we can easily, easily say that the Gospels, everybody knows the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Everything prior to the book of Acts in the Gospels, everything points to the events that is going to happen in the book of Acts. And then everything on the other side of the book of Acts, all of the pastoral epistles, all of the Pauline epistles, all of the, uh, all of the epistles of Peter and John, all of those point back to the book of Acts, and they draw from the book of Acts to show what are acceptable practices and acceptable principles in the church. And so we say it's the centerpiece because everything prior to the book of Acts points to what's about to happen in the book of Acts, and then everything after the book of Acts points back to the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is typically what we call it, but it is also known as the Acts of the Apostles. 
the apostles. Amen. These were the men that Jesus gave the understanding to. These were the men that Jesus said, now go out and start my church. Amen. And so we have an understanding in the book of Acts what the apostles did in the first century church. We, we know their doctrine. We know what they taught about, about God. We know what they taught about salvation. Now, the major event that occurs in Acts chapter 2 is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It happened at the, in the Feast of Pentecost. Amen. This was, this was the day that Jesus poured out His Spirit into the hearts of the believers. This was the fulfillment of many scriptures in both the Old and New Testament. Everything, everything up to, the, uh, to this point in the Old Testament, it, it pointed to this event. And there were many things in the New Testament prior to this event that pointed to this event. And so for the first time, uh, in the upper room in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, for the first time, the Spirit of God did not just weigh on the hearts of men, but Jesus, the Spirit of God, actually came and indwelled or dwelled in the hearts of men. Amen. It, it changed the course of Christianity. Honestly, from that day forward, it changed the course of Christianity. It changed the course of the church. Amen. This is what we know as the Pentecostal experience. Amen. So just a very quick review here. A couple of Old Testament scriptures that point to the coming events at Pentecost. Isaiah 28, verse 11, the book of Isaiah was written some 700 years prior to even the birth of Jesus. But yet God, how many understands that God knows the end from the beginning? Amen, amen. And so God knowing what was going to happen, you say, well, pastor, that was 700 years. That's a long time. The Bible says for for uh, with God, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. He is not held to the same restraints of time that you and I are held to. Amen. And so 700 years to God is like, huh? Oh, yeah, oh, 700 years just went by. Well, okay. But Isaiah 28, 11, the prophet says this. He says, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. And then the prophet Joel, in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, he said this, he said, and it shall come to pass afterwards. When, when Peter quotes him in Acts 2, he says, and it, and it shall be in the last days. He says, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. He said, there's a day coming. Amen. I'm going to pour out my spirit on everybody that will open themselves to receive it. How many understand tonight that the Holy Ghost is for everybody? Amen. The Holy Ghost just ain't for people in a Pentecostal church. And we know that now because for the past decade, amen, we've been seeing a lot of reports of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in different churches. Amen. We now have Catholic churches where they're talking in tongues. Amen. We have certain types of Baptist churches where people are receiving the Holy Ghost and talking in tongues. Amen. It's not a Pentecostal thing, brothers and sisters. It's a Bible thing. Amen. It's a Bible thing. New Testament scriptures that point to the coming events of Pentecost. John 14, 16 through 18, Jesus said this. He said, I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. Jesus said, you know the Spirit of truth, because I'm standing right here talking to you. But here's what he says. He says, you know the Spirit of truth, because he dwells with you. He said, but that Spirit shall be in you. He said, right now, I'm with you. But the day is coming, brothers, that I will be in you. And then he, he, he further identifies that spirit of truth. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I'll send to you the third person in my triune Godhead. Is that what he said? Wait, that's not what he said. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, I will come to you. Amen. Amen. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the Spirit of the resurrected Christ. Amen. 
Praise God. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said this. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. What is, what is he implying here? He's implying that until you have the Holy Ghost, you got no power. You want to know why a lot of Christianity is worldly and powerless today? Because it's void of the Holy Ghost. Somebody got all twisted and messed up somewhere along the lines and said, that ain't for us anymore. That was for the apostles. That only happened in the Bible. That's not for us. Brothers and sisters, that's not in your book. But Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and then you're going to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. Acts chapter 2 was the birth date of the New Testament church. There's only two mentions of the word church prior to this chapter. Both of them are future tense. And Acts chapter 2 was also where God gave the plan of salvation. It wouldn't be right for the church to be birthed into existence and then nobody have any idea how to get into it. What we have to understand, brothers and sisters, is, is the church of Jesus Christ, the church that was birthed on the day of Pentecost, it's not just a church that you can sign a church card and join. It's not a church that you just walk into and sit down and claim your spot on a pew and say, okay, now I'm a part of this church. Amen. The church that was birthed in Acts chapter 2 was a church that you got to be born into. Amen. Jesus said, unless a man, Jesus said in John chapter uh, 3 verse 5, he said, unless a man is born again of water and spirit, he can't even catch a peek. He said he can't even see the kingdom of God. But in Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter, the man that Jesus gave the keys to in Matthew 16, Peter stands up after every... They, they, they receive the Holy Ghost in the upper room. They pour out into the, into the streets. They're magnifying God. They're talking with tongues. And, and, and the Jews, they can't understand what's going on. They, they, they look at these men and they say, these men are drunk. These people have lost their minds. And so the apostle Peter, the man with the keys, he stands up and he preaches to them the first New Testament sermon. And he explains to the Jews... Because Romans 1.16 tells us that salvation was for the Jews first. And he preaches to the Jews, amen, that their Messiah, the one that they've heard about from the time that they were born, the one that they have been read to about, the one that was coming, that Messiah did in fact come and they hung Him on a Roman cross. Peter preached this to them. And he said, that same Jesus whom ye crucified, he said, God hath made both Lord and Christ. Verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, all twelve apostles were there and nobody stood up and rebuked Peter. Said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? How can we be saved? Then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's your new birth of water and spirit. I have been feeling in my spirit, probably here in the very near future, I'm either going to teach a whole Tuesday night or I'm going to preach a whole Sunday morning on the plan of salvation. Amen. And so that is the birth date of the New Testament church. And then they took what happened in Acts chapter 2 and they went through the rest of the book of Acts on various missionary journeys, spreading the gospel, seeing mighty signs and miracles, seeing, uh, seeing Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles receive the Word of God and be born again. And that's what we are studying here this evening. Amen. Amen. I... I really do. Sister Lisa, I try to keep it all together. I do. I try not to get all that excited. And, but I, I just, I love the book of Acts. I love this truth. Amen. I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. Amen. Acts chapter 13, starting at verse 1. It's a good place to start. Now, chapter 13 is pretty long. Chapter 14, not so much. Now there were 
in the church. Now remember, the, sub, the subtitle, the subcontext um, of what we are going to be dealing with here is, is the mission. The mission often comes through the trial. And we'll understand that a little better when we get through this. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and, and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and, and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through, this was John Mark, or uh, Mark, the one that, um, uh, who wrote the book of Mark. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Uh, verse 7, which was with the deputy of the country of Sergius, Paulus. A prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, that word Elymas means sorcerer, withstood them, speaking or seeking to turn away the deputy from their faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of subtlety in all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and, and Sidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. If you have anything to say, tell us. That's a bad idea, man, to ask the Apostle Paul that. He was not a man that minced words. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, he said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelled as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm he brought them out of it. And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness." And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, or um, Kish, as you would see in, um, in the Old Testament, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, who also he gave testimony and said, I had found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes on his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, 
to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwelt at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophet, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should, uh, he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher or a grave. But God raised him from the dead. Amen. And he was seen many days of them, which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children. And that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it also was written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as, concerning, as, and as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Verse 35, Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. He said, through Jesus is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder, and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came, almost in, and the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. He said, It was the will of God for us to come and to preach this word to you, but since you have refused it, we will go find other people that want to hear it. We'll go to the Gentiles. Verse 47, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now we got through that. That was painless. Right, Sister Lisa? It was painless. Amen. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, After prayer and fasting... The prophets of the church in Antioch called who for a certain mission of the Lord? Did they call A, James and John? Did they call B, Paul and Barnabas? Or did they call C, Peter and Matthew? B. B is the correct answer. Paul and Barnabas. Amen. Chapter... 13 verses 6 through 12, the Bible says that they 
came and they in, encountered a, a false prophet who was a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Well, that's kind of a funny name. So I, I looked that up. Uh, the, the name Bar means son of, and the word Jesus there comes from the Greek word Joshua. So it was basically son of Joshua. But Bar-Jesus was a what who resisted the word of God. What was Bar-Jesus? He was a uh, that's true. Okay, so we're going to mark out um, false prophet and Jew. <laughs> that's right. That's right. My bad. I should have been paying closer attention when I, when, I, when I wrote that. He was a sorcerer who resisted the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, witchcraft will always resist the Word of God. I don't care if it's somebody uh, working sorcery or if it's some of the witchcraft they show on television today. Amen. It'll always resist the word of God. When Paul rebuked him, the Lord struck that sorcerer with what? With A, leprosy, B, the palsy, C, blindness, or D, he struck him deaf. You remember what the Lord struck him with? Blindness, right, Sister Joyce? C, blindness, struck him with blindness. Amen. Chapter 13, verses 13 through 41, uh, this is just going to be encompassing the preaching in Perga and Antioch. In verses 18 and 19, the Bible says that the Lord suffered the children of Israel in the wilderness for what? Okay, I'm going to say a time. Like, like, Pastor, you need to be a little more specific, man. <laughs> That's right. Forty years. He suffered them. He put up with them for 40 years. Forty years is the answer. During that time, the Bible says, now this is specific here. During that time, the Bible says that he drove out how many nations before them? And this is in verses 18 and 19. Did he drive out A, 12, B, 9, or C, 7? That'll be in verse 19. Seven. The answer is C, seven. God drove seven nations out of the land of Canaan so that Israel could take possession of it. Amen. The next question is found in verses 38 and 39. Uh, the Bible says that through the name of Jesus is preached unto you the... This will be in verse 38. Through the name of Jesus, what is preached unto you? The forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. Amen. Thank God for that name. Chapter 13, verses 42 through 49. The Bible says that the Jews were filled with envy. Why, Why were the Jews filled with envy when they saw the multitude of the Gentiles that came to hear Paul? Was it A, Paul was preaching Jesus and the Gentiles believed? Was it B, Paul had a bigger audience than they did? Or was it C, Paul looked more important than the Jewish teachers? Why do you think that they were driven to envy? A, A, because Paul was preaching Jesus and people were believing. Amen. The, the Jews were rejecting the doctrine of God. The Jews were rejecting Jesus as Messiah. And so Paul came in, Paul came in not only just preaching Jesus, amen, but God was confirming his word through the ministry of Paul and Barnabas with mighty signs and wonders everywhere that they went. Amen. And so people were believing on God. People were being born again, and it drove the Jews to envy. Verse, verses 46 and 47. Because the Jews rejected the preaching of the gospel, God sent Paul to be... This is in verse 47. He sent him to be 
the what? He sent him to be the light of the Gentiles. The light of the Gentiles. Amen. Remember, they uh, Paul wrote in, in Romans 1.16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. Amen. Salvation was for the Jews first. The, the Bible says that Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. Amen. And so it was the will of God for the apostles to go to the Jews and to make as many disciples out of the Jews first. Salvation was for the people of God first. But when the Jews wholesale rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, then God, by his mercy, sent the apostles to preach to whomsoever will, to whomsoever Aren't you glad, brothers and sisters, this salvation is for anybody, hey man, that'll believe and receive it? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Let's see. Where was I? Aha, okay. Verses 51 and 52, the Bible says that Paul and Barnabas shook off the what? The dust of their feet. They shook off the dust of their feet against them because they wouldn't receive what they had to say. Verse 52, it says, The disciples were filled with joy. And I'm sorry, I don't know where that, that lone T all by itself there came from. It says, The disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. Verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, and there was all kinds of unrest and things going on in that area. Brothers and sisters, aren't you glad, amen, that Jesus can give you peace, amen, in the middle of unrest? Praise God. Aren't you glad that we know the peacemaker? Aren't you glad that, that we know the God that has been able to give us peace, amen, in the middle of all of this fear, in the world today, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of all of this social unrest, hey man, in the middle of the political unraveling of, of our country, and yet Jesus said, I can give you peace, not as the world gives it, hey man, but, but, but as only I can give it. I'm thankful, thankful. Chapter 14, starting at verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews. And so spake that great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part held with the apostles. And then there was an assault made by both of the Gentiles and of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them. They were aware of it, and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and under the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man in Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lift up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the, then the priest of Jupiter, which was before the city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates, and would have done sacrifice with the people. Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and they ran in among the people crying out, saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? 
We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness and that he did good and gave us rain from heavens and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And so they thought that these were, these were Greek gods. They were going to do sacrifices unto Paul and Barnabas. And they said, wait, 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 we are men just like you. But we're, we're, we've come to teach you about the one true and living God. There's only one. Amen. Verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. Ah, these folks again. Who persuaded people. And having stoned Paul, they stoned him. Drew him out of the city. They, they pulled him out. Supposing he had been dead, they just left him there. Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas and Derby, uh, to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many and returned again to Lystra and Iconium and, and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, that we must, get this brothers and sisters, that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. They said we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them unto the Lord on whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came unto Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles, and there they abode long time with his disciples, or with the disciples. Amen. Amen. And everybody said amen. amen. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Even though the unbelieving Jews stirred up the city against them, they spoke, they spoke what? They spoke boldly in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, hell don't want you to witness to nobody. Hell don't want you to be of the light, and hell certainly don't want you to give anybody the truth. Amen. And when you endeavor to do a work for God, you are going to stir up certain forces. You are going to stir up for certain spirits and things that are going to come against you. Amen. But let me tell you something. Even in the midst of things that come against you, you still need to stand up boldly in your faith and continue to preach Jesus. Amen. Amen. Chapter 14, verse 3. The Bible says that he granted that what and what be done by their hands. 14, verse 3. It says that God granted that what and what be done by their hands. Signs and wonders. He granted that signs and wonders be done by the hands of the apostles, by Paul and Barnabas. Amen. Chapter 14, verses 8 through 10. Now, this is, an, this is an important one, and we'll segue here just for a second. The Bible says that Paul perceived that the lame man had what? This is in verse 9. It's at the very end of verse 9. Paul perceived that the man that was lame from birth, he had this. Faith to be healed. He had faith to be healed. Brothers and sisters, that is an extremely vital component 
of being prayed for. Amen. In this church, we believe that Jesus is still a healer. We believe that Jesus is still a mighty deliverer. Amen. We believe that Jesus still grants the confirming of His Word through mighty signs and wonders. Amen. But when we need something from God, or if someone uh, comes to be our guest, someone walks through the door and they need something from God, amen, the first step of faith is to get out of the pew and to come up front. But I can come down and pray for someone, and I can have all of the faith in the world that God will do the work. But if the person I'm praying for does not have faith to be healed, they will not be healed. They may be touched, but you need to have faith to be healed. And Paul looked at this man and he perceived and he said, this man has faith to be healed. And so when Paul perceived he had faith to be healed, the only thing Paul had to do was speak faith to him. He said, rise up. Get up from where you are. And the mixing of Paul's faith and this man's faith, God granted the mighty sign, the mighty wonder. Amen. The guy that was, he was the, the man that was lame from birth, the man then stands up. He's never been able to walk. But he had one important part of this miracle. He had faith to be healed. Amen. Chapter 14, verses 11 through 15. Why did Paul and Barnabas tear, or the Bible says rent, why did they tear their clothes and rebuke the people from Iconia? Was it A, they blasphemed the Holy Ghost? B, they believed that Paul and Barnabas were Greek gods? Or C, they were offering sacrifices to false gods? Why did they, they rent their clothes? Was it A, they blasphemed the Holy Ghost? B, because they were believing that Paul and Barnabas were Greek gods? Or, or C, they, they were offering sacrifices to false gods. This one's a little bit tricky. But the answer is B. B. They brought sacrifices out, but the Bible doesn't say they ever sacrificed anything. They brought them out there. They were going to, and Paul and Barnabas ripped their church clothes, had their good church clothes on. Ripped their church clothes and said, wait, wait. Do not do this. We are men of like passions with you. Verse 19. Then came some Jews from Antioch and persuaded the people against Paul. So they took Paul and A, kicked him out of the city, B, stoned him, or C, gave him 40 lashes across his back. What did they do to Paul? They write him a parking ticket. They stoned him. Amen. They stoned him. That's some heavy-duty stuff. They stoned him. And then the Bible says they, they drug him outside the city and just left him for the vultures to, to pick his body apart. Amen. And then the disciples came out and was like, hey, Paul, you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm a little beat up, but let's go into the next city and preach. The Bible says just a couple days later, this man had been stoned. Just a couple days later, he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 22. They exhorted, which means encouraged, they encouraged the disciples in Iconium and Antioch that we must through what? Verse 22. We must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Through much tribulation, we must enter into the kingdom of God. And we'll come back to that in just one second. Verse 27, chapter 14, verse 27. The summary... The summary of Paul and Barnabas' missionary journey was what? A, they endured much persecution for the gospel. B, they were to labor for the Lord. C, 
The door of faith and salvation was open to the Gentiles. You can choose more than one. The summary of, of their journey here was what? They endured persecution for the gospel. They had a specific labor for the Lord. Or the door of faith and salvation was open to the Gentiles. All of the above. All of the above. This Bible study was the book of Acts chapters 13 and 14. I subtitled it, The Mission Often Comes Through the Trial. If we go from basically from the beginning of chapter 13 all the way through chapter 14, we see that God was opening doors for the Gentiles to hear the gospel. God separated Paul and, and Barnabas with the mission to go and to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. But brothers and sisters, the mission oftentimes, or, or should I say most of the time, the mission does not come without its bumps and bruises. Amen. If God has ordained you to do something, if God has called you to do something, if God opens the door for you to do something, you better believe that you're going to face opposition. Amen. If you know Christians that never seem to face any opposition, if you know Christians that never seem to face any spiritual attacks, if you know Christians who always seem to have everything going their way, I promise you they're not doing much for the Lord. Amen. They're not doing much for the Lord. Because the mission, brothers and sisters, often comes through the trial. Paul endured a lot of things. Barnabas endured a lot of things. They had people going around entire cities and stirring up mobs of people against them. There was probably many times these men didn't know if those folks were going to take them out and kill them, and they tried. They tried with Paul. They took him out and they stoned him. They stoned him, and then they drug his body out and left him for dead. Amen. But Paul endured because God was doing a work. Faith was coming to the Gentiles. Salvation was coming to the Gentiles. And so I love what Paul says in, in verse 22 when he says that, that we, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, in this church, as we endeavor to do the work of God, I promise you, we're going to suffer some setbacks. I promise you that we are going to suffer some temporary, mark that word tonight, we are going to suffer some temporary defeats. It's going to happen. We're going to suffer some resistance. We're going to suffer some loss. Amen. We're going to have some sacrifice. We will, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters. This church, through much tribulation, this church, through much attack, attack, this church, through many battles, will see revival. Amen. But the mission comes through the trial. And just let me tell you tonight, before I close, we're not going to have revival any other way. Revival's not just going to fall out of the sky and fall on us. Amen. I promise you that the Lord will help us. I promise you. I don't have to promise you. He did. I promise you that God's going to be with us. I promise you that God's going to confirm His Word. I promise you that God will prepare His harvest. Amen. But we are going to be in for some battles. We are going to be in for some fights. Amen. We are going to suffer some things to get where God wants us. Amen. And that's the gist of what was going on. Paul and Barnabas endured a lot of things. They went through some heavy-duty stuff. Amen. But at the end of the day, at the end of their journey, at the end of chapter 14, it says they gathered the church together and they rehearsed all God had done and that the door of faith was opened to the Gentiles. They went back and they said, this is all of the things that we had to endure. 
This was all the stuff that was said about us. These are all the attacks that we had to go through. But praise God, at the end of the day, there were names written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God that He opened doors and through much tribulation, amen, we did the work of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, when the day comes that God calls us home, I want us to be able to stand before God and say, we did, and we went through some persecution. We went through some things. We endured some things. But at the end of the day, amen, God opened doors and saved some souls. Amen. Amen. Any questions or comments about tonight's Bible study before we dismiss? No? Me too, sister. Me too, and we, um... oh, really, in the book of Acts? Well, praise God, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's uh, such an important book to understand, and, and, and I'm not taking away from any of the other books, amen, but, but if we want to understand the first century church, we have to understand the book of Acts, amen, amen. How many thankful for this wonderful truth? Amen. How many thankful for the word of the Lord? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's, let's lift our hands, amen, and let's lift our voices before the Lord here tonight. And let's thank Him, amen. Let's give Him glory, amen, for His word tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, You are the way, hallelujah, the truth and the life. Father, we thank You tonight, oh God, for this wonderful word. We thank You for this truth, Lord. You said You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Father, we thank you for it tonight. Hallelujah. God, we thank you, Lord, for understanding that you have given us in the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the spirit of truth, Lord, even for the spirit of revelation. God, we thank you for the power of this word and that we know, Lord, that it never returns unto you void. Father, I pray, God, that you would engraft this word, Lord, to our hearts and graft this word to the hearts of this church. I pray for the perfecting of the saints, God, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I pray that you would touch the hearts, God, of those that would watch this and listen to it, God, and open their understanding, Lord, that your kingdom, God, move forward. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We put our trust in you today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. You are dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.